0: It is hour two, Mutt and Lou 93-7, WEEI. Bruins with a 2-1 lead after a 3-0 shutout last night. Nessa had you game three. They'll get you game four as well. Andy Brickley was with Jack and Jamie, the whole crew in Detroit. And as he always does, Brick joins us here on the AT&T Hotline. Brick, Mutt and Lou, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Enjoying Detroit.
0: Boy, not, you. people can't say that enough, can they, Brick? <laughs> I'm
1: sitting in my hotel room now looking over the Detroit River, and there's Windsor in Canada across the way, and uh, I might have to go visit it this afternoon.
0: Oh, casino yeah. in Windsor, huh? Yeah, I was going to say, the Funny. only way
2: I can huh. enjoy Detroit was hanging out in Greektown at the casino. <laughs> that was,
1: that was uh, about I, it. If I was a gambler, Lou, yeah, that might get my.
2: Brick, let's. Uh, there was no gambling
0: in the first period last night. I, I, I've said a couple times today that I don't remember a better for a better period by the Bruins and the 2 nothing lead they had after 20 minutes, am I overreacting to call it the Bruins' best period of the year last night, that first period, Brick?
1: You could probably say they won the game in the first period the way they played right. and the way Detroit didn't respond and the way they turned the puck over and seemed to be intimidated by Boston. You're right. They made plays coming out of their own zone. They established their four-check, and they took advantage of some really poor decisions and line changes by Detroit, and they scored another power play goal. So, uh, yeah, they were impressive in the opening 20 minutes, and it almost – I don't know if it really just took any hope or believability that Detroit was going to, you know, actually win Game Three in the first 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, that was that was a real good Bruins team against a Detroit team that looked overmatched.
2: Yeah, really, just kind of taking advantage of some mistakes, right? I mean, even you know, in Game Two, you know, Florick had to be there. Raleigh Smith had to crash the net. But in this one here, too many men on the ice, the bad line change, but they still had to take advantage. I, The Dougie Hamilton one, that goal there, we were talking about that kind of breakdown. Let the guy go ice, end the ice all the way into the zone, untouched to get that shot off. Penalty kill, that had to be some kind of breakdown, no?
1: Yeah, well, Mike Babcock, the coach of Detroit, talked about it after the game, said we made some uh, adjustments on our special teams. Uh, We had our meetings in the morning. We went over our penalty kill, and then we didn't get the execution that we asked for in those meetings to allow Hamilton to skate the length of the ice, easy entry into the offensive end. And he also thought that Jimmy Howard should have had the shot. So yeah. uh, it was a it was a post-game press conference full of accountability. Uh, he blamed himself and his coaching staff for not preparing his team better, but he was also uh, calling his team out to a, to a certain degree that those things can't happen because when you play good teams and you make mistakes, good teams take advantage. You know,
2: he was also talking about the youth of that team. Were you surprised that just in a – in a 1-1 series back in Detroit that they came out playing like that?
1: No, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, You know, they felt really good about themselves after game one. That might be the best game they play in this series, and they're going to have to play like that in game four if they want to get this thing even. But the way the Bruins imposed their will and imposed their game plan and their style of hockey in game two, because they are young and inexperienced, it didn't surprise me that game three had a similar feel to it.
0: I guess I was surprised it was the veterans, though, that made the mistakes, right? The penalty on a veteran defensive player. Uh, the Jimmy Howard goal, I, I lo- as Lou was saying, I love the play by Hamilton to go in, but I thought he shouldn't have made the save. And, and now it's sort of a trickle-down effect. And once you get out of that first period, Brick, I, I thought Tuka Rask from there was the storyline to me because Detroit had better push into the second period. Bruins killed off a five-on-three, then a five-on-four, and then the light seemed to click on and... I don't know, there's a calmness about his game, his fourth career shutout. What have you thought so far about the play of Tuca in this series?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say he was the difference. Uh, You know, there was a stretch there in the second period, you're right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe about halfway through that second period until the end of the second period, especially with the 5-on-3, 5-on-4 sequence where Tuca had to make some stops. But uh, I don't think he had to be the difference. Uh, He's been great, he's been real good, And, and we talk about his calm demeanor and how he allows the game to come to him, and and he doesn't chase it, and uh, that economy of motion just gives everybody in a Bruins uniform that uh, that believability that he's going to be there. I, I think the Bruins' team defense and their layers have been terrific. I mean, you can count on one hand maybe just a couple of fingers how many outnumbered rushes Detroit's had in this series, which tells you the Bruins are doing the job. They're doing the job at center ice, and yeah, there's times when they're having some puck management issues and they turn the puck over, but. I haven't heard Jack have to say, you know, save Rask, save Rask in succession a whole lot in the series, if at all. The Bruins have done a you know, real good job of boxing out and, uh, you know, one-and-done, even on power plays. If they get a shot, it's just the one-shot. And, uh, you know, I think leg one had a chance for a back to a tap in on a feed from Franzen in the third period. But but other than that, the Bruins have nice, have done a real good job of taking away the middle of the ice.
2: You know, you talk about those defense. We spent a lot of time talking about the youth and the inexperience, and could that be a flaw in this team? But... As you mentioned, no odd man rushes, and defensively, was there anybody you've been keeping an eye on for three for these three games that has really impressed you, has stepped up his game? Because it just seems like they're all getting it done.
1: Yeah, without a question, Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller coming into the series in Game Two changed the series just because he can skate. That allows him to be physical. And, and Claude talked about it after the game last night that uh, uh, you know we're not a slow team, but if we want to be physical, we have to get there and we have to skate. And Kevin Miller gives you that. You know, you saw what he did for a shift in game two, you know, solid body contact, just right around the defensive blue line, you know, plasters the player into the boards. Then he pivots, retrieves the puck, makes a play. You know, he skates, he hits, he has no filter. It doesn't matter if it's that two or, or a fourth line guy like Glenn Denny, he's going to take the body. He's going to play right through you. He's going to make plays. He's going to gain the red line. He's going to put pucks in areas where you can establish a forecheck. That's a guy I think that's been impressive in the last two games for Boston.
0: Brick is he better than Adam McQuaid right now? I think I think right now he is. Yeah, we were talking
1: about that post game last night, saying uh, you know not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, what does the Bruins team look like moving forward, and and what do they need, and where's everybody at with their contracts? And, you know, just a hockey conversation with hockey people. But uh, I think what Kevin Miller has grown into and has evolved into. Yeah, that's real good competition for Adam McQuaid on that right side in the future.
2: You know, Brick, we usually kind of bang our head against the wall for, for Claude to make some kind of change or a line, a spark. And if it happens, it might not happen until the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup. He just sticks with what he has. Last night in that second period, Babcock, who I think everybody respects, one of the great coaches in the game, he switches up those lines right away. Was, was that a little bit of panic early in this series or was it something he had to do?
1: Well, when you only scored two goals uh, to this point, and, and and you're not getting anything with your power play, and, and and you're looking for some kind of offensive spark, those are the things you have to do. I mean, you go back to game two in the third period, he put Nyquist up with uh, with Dots, trying to get his top goal scorer going. Uh, so yeah, you, you know he's looking for Franzen to give him something. Uh, you know these guys that uh, have put up pretty good numbers in their careers, and they're not even threatening right now. You have to make those those changes and. Uh, you know, he's looking for matchups, and, he, and, he, and he's at home, and he's able to have the last change, and he needs something to get somebody going that the team can that they can rally around and build off of, and those are the things you got to do. I wouldn't call it panic. I'm just, a, you know, looking at a real good coach trying to find the offense, and, and that's the way you got to go about it at times.
0: We're talking Andy Brickley of Nesson, a play we've talked about here in this hour that had a lot to do with the outcome was the Brennan Smith, uh, uh, Brad Marchand play. At center ice brick, I, I thought clearly the way I viewed the play might be different than you did. I thought he went for in the shoulder, missed him with the shoulder, stuck the leg out, clearly tripped him. I thought it was a penalty and deserved two minutes. I thought after that, you know, maybe Brad looking to get a call, rolled around on the ice and embellished the way we see a lot of players do this time of year. Take us through that play. And was it a dangerous play by Brendan Smith?
1: Uh, yeah, I thought it was definitely a leg check. Uh, if, if you watch the replay in slow motion, you can see that skate come, you know, up on his heel. That means it's being extended, uh, preparing for contact and, and hoping for contact in that situation. Uh, so clearly a tripping call. I, I think that's a dangerous play. Any time you extend a leg, even if it's a subtle thing, when you know you're not going to get the upper body contact, you try to slow your man down or make contact with the with your leg is always a dangerous play. It deserved the tripping penalty certainly. Uh, that was our viewpoint. Uh, you can make an argument for the embellishment uh, on the part of Brad Marchand, but uh, I didn't really have much of a problem with that. You never can tell with that kind of contact whether the guy's actually hurt or not, and, and I've always taken the approach that I'm going to give the player the benefit of the doubt, uh, even if it's a Montreal Canadian or a Vancouver Canuck. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt when it's a lake check, knee on knee or leg check, knee-on-knee or leg-on-leg. So, sure, you can make a case for embellishment, but the, if, but the actual penalty was there, and I was a little disappointed actually in Smith that he was arguing the call because I thought it was it was pretty clear cut.
2: Yeah, I thought it was. A, I didn't think it was a flop. You know, I thought that it was a clear trip. He was in the ice and on the way down, that right leg maybe the skate you know hit the ice a certain way and I think he did twist his knee. I think he did get spooked. I mean, the call was already made and he's down there. A lot of people made a big you know a big stink about the fact that it was his left knee he got hit and he's holding his right knee. <laughs> but I I, yeah. I think that there was something real there.
1: Yeah, so did I and that's what I said I, I you know I. I I trust Brad Marchand. I think he's a stand-up guy. Uh, I, I, I don't believe there was any embellishment. If there was, it was only a tiny bit. Uh, the call was made, and you want to make sure that he's healthy. and He's good, and you know he took he took a little bit of time, but then he was right back into the game.
2: You know, another big part of the series. Uh, you know, I look at special teams. You know, you got Detroit zero for nine. The Bruins finally. You know, you don't want them to decline the penalty. I mean, they have <laughs> a power play. You know, three for eight. You almost feel like they're gonna score. Big difference for this team, not just in this series, but hopefully moving forward.
1: Well, we talked about it last week, and uh, I think you guys asked me about X factors, and you know, pick out a player. And I think Mike, you wanted Luch to be that guy, and 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 I was more power play. You know, sure. in a series like this against Detroit, where you know you're going to get some real good defense against your top lines, then your power play could be a difference maker. And as good as it's been, uh, and maybe I'm asking too much, but when they had the back-to-back power plays in the second period, when right. it was two nothing, that was a chance to put the game away. And, uh, and Detroit made some adjustments on their PK, and Boston had a little drag in their decision-making when they were in the offensive zone, and they weren't moving the puck as quickly. And they weren't as confident. Uh, you know, I'll put Jerome McKinley in that category. I, I need a little bit more from him. I know he had two assists in game two, but uh, he, he has another gear to his game. I'm looking for Lucchese to be a little better. Maybe they can get that, uh, that rolling on the power play in that unit. But the power play for Boston, especially the... You know, the Dougie Hamilton, uh, you know, four forwards with Bergeron and that crew and Riley Smith and Soderbergh and Erickson. That unit has been really good, and, uh, you know, they work well together. They're all on the same page. And when you have two units, you keep bodies fresh, and you keep the quickness, and you keep the speed, and you keep the puck movement. And there's a healthy competition, more so during the regular season than in the postseason. But, uh, yeah, that power play is totally different this year because they have better personnel and a better grasp on what you're trying to accomplish with the man
0: advantage. Just like we all thought through three games, Floric and Karan uh, would have goals here in the series so far, Brick. Uh, we, we opened the show. So a lot of the people we were texting in saying the series is over, and DNC this morning were saying it's over. having some fun with. They were previewing Montreal already. And, and my point was, <laughs> look, I, I understand they dominated last night, but the last two Bruins playoff losses, they led 2-1 against the Capitals. They led 2-1 in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think history tells us that – you know, you can never count these things over. I'm not willing to go that far. Do you, when, when you look at this series, we well, had him in five anyways, I believe. Right? What's that? Yeah, Rick, you
2: had him in five yeah, anyway. Right? Rick had him in I five. Did, yeah,
1: I did. I did. I didn't. I didn't have them losing game one, but I, I did have him in five. Uh, obviously, this is the series for Detroit. Game four, they have to play like they did in game one. If they don't. They cannot go down three one. You know they can't go down three one and expect to come back and beat Boston Bruins. So the series is on the line for Detroit in Game Four. I expect their best. I think Boston will game plan for their best. Uh, but that's that's the beauty of playoffs. And certainly you won't get anybody here in Detroit thinking about Montreal, knowing that Montreal swept this series and you know and they're going to get a little bit of rest. But uh, you know you'd like this series to end as quickly as you possibly could. You'd like to end it at, you know in five if you possibly could. But you can't look beyond what's in front of you tomorrow night. That's the focus for this Bruins team. And I like their maturity, guys. And we talked about this last week. In the past, I was concerned when the Bruins were a favorite. I didn't think they handled it mm-hmm. as well as other teams that have been favorites in the past that went on to win Stanley Cups. But this team seems to have a much more mature uh, approach because of the lessons learned both in winning and losing in the postseason and, and I think that's a difference this year, and I, and I think you'll get a real good effort from Boston in game four.
2: You know, Brick, last one for me, you know, that Montreal team, they did sweep. We're not going to preview the series, but I do look <laughs> at it. And, and, you know, three out of the four games, one goal games. And, and you know, if Ben Bishop was in that, I think I'd be more impressive. But, you know, but lindback it's just the guy really struggled. I mean, do, how, how do you look at that? Is that an impressive sweep or just kind of going about their business?
1: Oh, I don't ignore the fact that Montreal's a good team, and and we've already discussed it during the regular season that they're they're a good matchup for the Boston Bruins, as Detroit was to be expected to be a good matchup for the Bruins. But understand that the Bruins are the best team in the league this year, and you should consider them uh, the team that's going to win the series. But I would have liked to have seen Ben Bishop in Nets for Tampa. I don't know if it would have been a huge difference. Uh, He doesn't have a ton of playoff experience himself, obviously. Uh, but he had a great year and a good goalie and a big body, and it gives his team you know, more confidence that he's going to make the saves that they need him to make. Yeah, not a fan of, of Lindback at all. You know, I talked to Patty Verbeek when they first acquired him. He's part of the management team for Tampa. And, you know, he said, what do you think about goalie? I said, I know you give him a shot to be a number one, but I don't like him, and I think your team looks at him like he's got too many holes to be a number one, and if you have that feeling about your goalie, you're not going to play to your best. And I think that's simply what went on. I did find it interesting, though, that uh, Montreal wins the series on a power play goal in the final two minutes of the of, you
0: know, of the
1: third period. <laughs> Shocking. Oh,
0: a bullion just fell right over. My goodness. Uh, I'll ask you one. You've been with this team now for a couple of days in Detroit. Uh, Daniel Paye, Chris Kelly, and I'll include Dennis Seidenberg. Brick. do we see these guys in – not Seidenberg in this series. We see Kelly and Paillet in this series. Do you think we see Seidenberg before these playoffs are out? Uh,
1: well, the two forwards, Kelly, if I, in this series, I'll say no and no. Okay. Uh, and will we see Seidenberg in the playoffs this year? Um, I still say no. And, 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 and maybe that's just my, um, I don't know, conservative approach to a guy that's coming back from, from major knee surgery, who's a big part of the future of the Bruins. and uh, And I like this Bruins team as it's currently constructed. You know, if healthy and and in shape and uh, cleared to go, absolutely love to see him in a Bruins uniform. Makes them a better team. But I, I'm I'm still taking that uh, you know done for the year attitude. And if he ever plays, wow, that's gravy.
0: Uh, enjoy Windsor today, Brick. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, pal. Right, Brick. Uh, and Nesson has the call uh, in Game Four. You get the local broadcast with Jack and Brick uh, and Jamie Erdahl. And every time Brick joins us, he's brought to you by our friends at Norfolk Power Equipment, by HSA Insurance, and by Joe and Lee's, gol- Joe and Lee's Golf Performance Center. He, did he hesitate a little bit? Did I, am I, did he hesitate a little bit on Seinberg? <laughs> I think he did. Am I projecting, but he has been steadfast in his no, 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 he's not going to come back. Is he .08% like Christian? <laughs> is he, I, I think he is. I think that he's sticking with the common sense approach, which is he won't come back. But I heard a little bit of hesitation. That I'm still gonna say, we don't see Seidenberg here in the postseason. Mm. We will see Montreal in the next round. As Brick said, a power play late, uh, Paquette. I use the air quotes here, tripping Bouillon there late, power play goal. Montreal well, wins. They sweep
2: off, out the Tampa Bay Lightning four zip. He did trip him. It was the right call. You no, know, you want to call it two minutes to go in the game, whatever it is, but it was a trip. Well, I got. Well, there's no. I mean, there's no the, doubt. I mean, just surprised. He put it around I, his ankle and wouldn't let him up. It was a trip. The surprise
0: came from the Tampa Bay players who were quoted as saying after the game, they let everything go.